friends, this is Scott Pauley, and I'm thrilled you've joined us for the Weekend Pulpit. From time to time, it's my privilege to share a Bible message that God has used to affect my life in a unique way. And today's message from God's Word is from a guest preacher and someone that is very special to me. I hope you'll get your Bible and follow along as we listen for the Lord to speak to our hearts. I'd like you to take the Word of God, please, and turn with me in the Old Testament to the book of Exodus as we look again at the 14th chapter of Exodus, and we'll begin our Bible reading in just a moment with Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10. Exodus chapter 14 and verse 10. I trust the Lord is speaking to your heart as He is speaking to my heart through this wonderful book of the Bible and this wonderful chapter in this book of the Bible. Truly one of the great chapters in all the Word of God. In Exodus chapter 14, beginning with verse 10, the Bible says that when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt thus with us? to carry us forth out of Egypt. Is not this the word that we did tell thee in Egypt, saying, Let us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it had been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you today. For the Egyptians whom ye have seen today, ye shall see them again no more. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me, speaking of the children of Israel, that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod, and stretch out thine hand over the sea, and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I, behold, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. And I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all his host, and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. It was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. It made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch, the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians took off their chariot wheels, that they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them 
against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea, that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it. And the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen and all the host of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon Egypt, the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and His servant Moses. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, I want you to mark this amazing expression given to us in verse 31. The people feared the Lord. The people feared the Lord. When I was just a young fellow starting out in college, I went to a little junior college. It just happened to be a little Methodist junior college in Madisonville, Tennessee. And by requirement, I was to take a Bible class. And I can still remember in that Bible class that I had a liberal teacher who did not believe all the Bible was the Word of God. And this particular teacher, a woman worked very hard to try to convince us that this was not the Red Sea that the children of Israel passed through, but the Sea of Reeds. It was only just a body of water about knee-deep. But the thing she could never, never get across is how all those Egyptians could drown in knee-deep water. How knee-deep water could close upon their chariots, upon their horses and horsemen. That every Egyptian could drown in knee-deep water like that. It just just really made no sense at all. And by the way, when you try to take the Bible apart, you wind up falling apart yourself. You know? This is the Word of God, and I believe every word of it. I believe every word of it. I'm like the old preacher who said, if the Bible said that Jonah swallowed the whale, I'd say amen. Yeah. Somehow or another, he got her down. If God says it, that settles it. And God said these things in the 14th chapter of Exodus, and we believe it. No wonder when these walls of water were provided for the Israelites to walk through on dry ground, as God calls this east wind to blow and drive the surface of the sea, and they walked through on dry ground. No wonder when they got the other side and saw God closed the walls of water upon the Egyptians. No wonder the Bible says then they feared the Lord. The people feared the Lord. Notice early on in this chapter, the people cry out in fear of the Egyptians. This is very important to make note of. In verse 10, when the Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them, and they were sore afraid. Afraid of the Egyptians. Something happened that the fear of the Egyptians went from them when the fear of God came to them. We're going to learn more about that. Moses said, fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. 
And after they stood still, they were able to go forward. I think it's amusing that Pharaoh decided that the wilderness had entangled them. The land had shut them up. The wilderness had shut them up. And they were entangled in the land. He didn't realize what God was doing. And if we don't look through eyes of faith, we have no understanding of what's going on in the world. We become frightened, disillusioned people. Hopeless people. We see nothing the way we should see it. And we make decisions about things that we should not decide. At least not in that way. When we don't see clearly. And we don't see clearly when we don't see through eyes of faith. We are not to interpret the Bible by what's going on in the world. We interpret what's going on in the world by seeing through the Scriptures to that. The world is not the commentary on the book. This book is a commentary on what's going on in the world. The people feared the Lord. I think if I took a survey of this congregation, I would find something to be true here that would be true in every congregation of believing people. And that is that more people have come to Christ because of fear than any other one thing. As a matter of fact, the preaching of hell and the certain judgment of God has been an instrument when used and proclaimed has brought more people to God than any other single thing. Testimony after testimony is given. And I hear people I hear people say, somebody was preaching about hell and death and judgment and I knew I didn't want to go to hell and I got right with God. Preachers like myself who believe and preach the Bible are always accused of preaching too much on hell and too much on money. And the truth of the matter is, those are the two things we don't preach enough on. Jesus preached much about those two things. We have a New Testament commentary on the days of Noah in the book of Hebrews. If you'd like to make note of it in the 11th chapter and the 7th verse, the Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. He was moved with fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house. What prompted Noah to do what he did? He was afraid. He feared God. God said, I'm going to destroy this world with a flood. And Noah believed it. He feared God, and he built an ark to the saving of his house. We need to declare with holy boldness the truth of God's word. Preaching the truth of the certainty of judgment, of death and hell, and a day of reckoning with Almighty God. The other evening I was visiting in a revival service over the Knoxville Baptist Tabernacle, and a preacher took his text from the New Testament chapter of Matthew chapter 8, and he was talking about the devil here. And he said in Matthew chapter 8, as he read verses 28 and 29, And when he was come to the other side of the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with devils coming out of the tombs, exceeding fear, so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And he made some interesting comments about that passage. He said, these demons recognize that Jesus is God. 
that many men who will not recognize that Jesus is God, but the devil knows who Jesus is. He is co-equal, co-existent, eternally existent with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Eternally existent with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ is God. They recognize Him who He is. They recognized that there was going to be a day of judgment. And they knew they were going to be judged. They said, you've come to torment us before our time. They know that God has set a time when we shall stand before Him. Now you think of that. You and I have an inevitable meeting with God. Is there any fear of God in you when you think about that? That you're going to stand face to face with God Almighty. Do you ever think about that? If you believe that, believe this Bible is true, it ought to do something to you. No doubt about it. It ought to do something to you. I want us to look back at this chapter in Exodus chapter 14 and see this transition that the people go through. When the fear of the Egyptians is removed and the fear of God comes to their lives, the people, the Bible says, the people feared the Lord. I want you to make some special note of things. Number one, when people fear the Lord, they know that God will do what He says He will do. They know that God will do what He says He will do. Now, remember that the Bible teaches us that Moses was leading the children of Israel and God specifically said to Moses, I want you to make a turn. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, that they turn and encamp before Pahiroth. That interesting word that's difficult for me to pronounce means... The place of freedom. The place of freedom. Now, that's where they got boxed in. That's where they were entangled. That's where they were trapped in the wilderness. And it means the place of liberty or the place of freedom. It's almost as though, folks, God has a sense of humor. He says, I'm going to take you and put you in a box, and nobody's going to think you can get out. But the name on that box is the place to make you free. Because there is no freedom like freedom in the Lord. When you come to know the truth, and the truth sets you free. When you look like you're imprisoned and there's no escape, I'm going to make a way where nobody believes there can be a way. And you're going to learn what it's truly like to be free in the Lord. I thank God for the freedom I have in Christ. And people who fear the Lord know that God will do what He says He's going to do. The Bible says in verses 13 and 14, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will show you today. For the Egyptians which ye have seen today... Ye shall see them again no more forever. The Lord shall fight for you, and ye shall hold your peace. Notice that. And then Mark verse 25. The Bible says, And took off their chariot wheels, that they drave them heavily, so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. 
Now they're saying the same thing God says. God said, I'm going to fight for you. And now they say, God is fighting for the Egyptians. God is fighting against us. As a matter of fact, they use this word, Lord. They actually have called the name Jehovah. They're saying the God of the Hebrews. The same God that they talked to us about when God spoke to Moses through the burning bush and said, Go down and speak to Pharaoh. And Moses said, Whom shall I say has sent me? And God said, Tell him I am has sent you. And when he came to the court of the Pharaoh and told him about the Hebrew God, the Bible says that Pharaoh blurted out, I don't even know your God. And I will not do what your God says. And God heard what he said. And in so many words, read it for yourself. The Lord said, when I'm finished with them, they'll know who I am. And now they're saying, as they're about to perish in the sea, this God of the Hebrews, Jehovah, when you find in your King James Version of the Bible, this word, Lord, spelled in all capitals, it's a translation of the name Jehovah God. Jehovah, the covenant God of the Hebrews. And they said, it is Jehovah who is fighting against us for them. Just like God said He would do. You see, when people fear the Lord, they know that God will do what He says He will do. The Word of God says they went through by faith. Now, I can only use a little bit of a sanctified imagination to imagine how this was happening. Because had God parted all the water and made a road for them on dry ground through all the way through the sea... I don't believe that would have been faith. It would have been sight. I believe they had to walk and then begin to see the water unfolding where it was dry and opening up and opening up and opening up before them. They had to believe God. Not exactly like the crossing of the Jordan when they put their feet in the water and then the water parted as they put their feet in the water. But it was not a finished task. It was something they had to begin and not by sight, but by faith, the Bible says. They had to trust God by faith to see the Lord bring it to pass. But when you fear God and trust God for who He truly is, when you have this holy reverence of God, when you, when you reverence God and come before Him with bowed head, and you believe God for who He is, and you see Him high, exalted, lifted up, and you truly fear the Lord, then you know that God will do what He said He will do. People who fear the Lord. Look what the Bible tells us again in the book of Exodus in chapter 20, if you'll turn there, please. The Word of God says, as Moses was coming down with the commandments, in verse 18, And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou unto us, and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is come to prove you, that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. 
God says here in His Word, when you fear God as you ought to fear God, it affects your life in such a way that you sin not. That leads me to give you a second thing I want you to write down. The people who fear the Lord establish a principle in life that guides all of life. They establish this principle in life that guides all of life. All of my life is guided by the fear of the Lord. All of my life. When we fear God as we ought to fear God, that principle of fearing God, what comes about in your life because of fearing God, guides all the rest of your life. Every part of it. Let me show you a few things from the Bible. If you look in the book of Isaiah with me, to the 8th chapter, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 13, Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself, and let Him be your fear, and let Him be your dread. When you let God be your fear, let Him be your dread. In verse 14 of chapter 8 in Isaiah, the Bible says, And He shall be a sanctuary. As God is your fear and God is your dread, as you fear God, properly fear God, He becomes a sanctuary for you. Now the story in the seventh chapter of Isaiah is preliminary to this. And here in the seventh chapter the Bible says, and it came to pass in verse 1, in the days of Ahaz the son of Jotham, the son of Uzziah king of Judah, that Rezin the king of Syria and Pekah, the son of Ramaliah, king of Israel, went up toward Jerusalem to war against it, but could not prevail against it. It was told the house of David, saying, Syria is confederate with Ephraim. And his heart was moved, and the heart of his people, as the trees of the wood are moved with the wind. Now he says, the heart of this king of Judah was so frightened that he trembled. He trembled. And God gives us here a beautiful word picture. And he says, his heart was like leaves on a tree blowing. He was so frightened. There was a confederacy made against him. And what he was tempted to do was to seek help from the Assyrians. And God said, don't seek the Assyrians. Seek the Lord. Fear the Lord. Don't run to somebody and say, help me. Run to God and say, help me. And when you do, when you fear the Lord, He will become a sanctuary for you. Listen, when you truly fear God, it affects everything else in your life. Everything else in your life. Look what the Bible says in the book of Isaiah in the 43rd chapter. The Word of God says in verse 1, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Sheba for thee, since thou wast precious in my sight. Thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore, I will give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee. I will bring thy seed from the east and gather thee from the west. 
I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, keep not back. Bring my sons from far and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone, even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. God says, when you fear me, fear thou not these others. That leads me to a third thing. I want you to write it down. People who fear God remove fear of other things and other people. If you want to know how to get over a fear, then fear God, and the fear of God will get you over other fears. In other words, fear of the greatest will remove the fear of all lesser things. When I truly fear God, I know that God is going to take care of me and nothing can harm me except what God might permit in my life for my own good. If I'm truly fearing God like I ought to fear God, then everything else is lessened and can be removed that's a fear to me. Take, for example, if a man in the ministry is intimidated by some other man and he's afraid of that man or afraid of that woman as the prophet Elijah was afraid of wicked Queen Jezebel. It is not dealing with Jezebel or dealing with those people that we need to do. It is having the fear of God and knowing God's going to protect you and take care of you. And these lesser fears can be removed when you fear the greater, when you fear the Lord. You think anything that troubles you, anything that upsets you and keeps you torn up all the time, the answer to that is to fear God. If you worry about your health all the time, fear God who has blessed you and given you life. And when you fear God, you won't let those things trouble you all the time. Every problem I have, everything that I have to deal with that causes me to have anxiety about one thing or the other, or to be anxious, the least bit anxious about something, it's not that thing, it's a lack of fearing God like all to fear God. If I could be controlled by circumstances and things, and all the devil have to do is load his gun with circumstances and things every day. He'd keep me upset every day. He'd keep me talking about something every day. But that's not the way it works. The way it works is if you and I fear God like we ought to fear God, then everything else is diminished until it's removed because of fearing the greater, removing the lesser. How did you get rid of the fear of the Egyptians? You children of Israel, how did you get rid of the fear of the Egyptians? Why don't you fear the Egyptians anymore? Because we fear God and we know God can take care of the Egyptians. When you begin to fear God like you ought to fear God, then other fears are removed. Anything you're frightened about, anything you're troubled with, anything that attempts to overcome you, you, you just let it bother you far beyond what it will bother you. That can be dealt with only through fearing God and giving God His rightful place in your life. Perhaps you're driving down the highway and you're in a tight situation. It could be something where you're frightened a bit. How do, you, how do you deal with that fear? You deal with that fear by knowing there's a greater, the God of heaven and earth has got you in His hand. He's going to take care of you. And you can be saying, Lord, I know I'm safe with you. You're going to care for me. In other words, every fear is dealt with by fearing God, and He removes all the lesser fears. No wonder the Bible says the people feared the Lord. God wants to bring us to a place where we're not blown about where we don't tremble at the thought of every other thing in the world. We simply fear God like we ought to fear God. And He deals with all these other things as we fear Him. In so many churches today, the right vision of God has been lost. If you remember, we cannot worship God 
to any greater degree, any greater degree than we exalt Him and fear Him in our lives. And this belittling of God, if you pardon the expression, the humanizing of God, the overemphasis on the humanity of God, everything from speaking in such ways as the man upstairs or our big buddy or whatever remark that might be made that is emphasizing the humanity to the loss of the deity. Portraying Christ in such a way that He's just one of our good friends. All of that leads not to being stronger Christians, but to being weaker because we've lost sight of the greatness of God and it's the greatness of God that delivers us from all these small things. I want to show you something. If you look in the Gospel records in the book of Luke, the 12th chapter, I'd like to read the entire chapter, but I won't. But let me read a portion of it. Beginning with verse 2 in Luke chapter 12, the Bible says, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear and closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Now you think about that. Every word, every private conversation I've had, God said, it's going to be open for everybody. Do you fear God? You say, well, I fear some of those things being repeated. Well, if you feared God, you wouldn't have said them to begin with, and neither would I. Listen to what he says. I say unto you, verse 4, My friends, be not afraid of them that kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea, I say unto you, fear him. What do you think this verse, this one verse meant to martyrs who are going to have their bodies put to death? I wish you'd do a little research. Pick up a copy of the abridged work of Fox Book of Martyrs. You can't get the whole thing. It comes in many volumes, but you can get an abbreviated part of it. Or get something we've printed here through Crown Publications on martyrs and the death of martyrs. Read a little of it about how they faced their opposition. How they faced their enemies with great faith in God. And in the presence of God, conscious in the presence of God, the God whom they feared, all these accusers and enemies and people who sought to put them to death and did put them to death, were as nothing in the presence of God. They learn the secret of not fearing the one who could just kill the body, but rather fearing the one who could cast them into hell. And they put their faith in Christ and would not be cast into hell. And all they had was a body loss. But they gained an eternal reward. Fearing God, the greater, removes all the lesser fears. And the way to deal with lesser fears... And all the anxieties we go through, all the anxious moments we have, is giving God His rightful place in our lives. We've sort of twisted the thing today. We've gotten it backwards. In the book of Acts, the Bible tells us in Acts chapter 9, in verse 30, 
which when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus. Speaking here, of course, of Paul. In verse 31 of Acts 9, the Bible says, Then had the churches rest through all Judea and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost, were multiplied. Which comes first, the fear of the Lord or comfort? The fear of the Lord. What we try to do today is to make everything comfortable. And then we throw in a little talk about the fear of God. I'm guilty. I'm guilty because I know that preaching, the kind of preaching that needs to be done, rubs the grain the wrong way. It goes against the grain. All of us have a temptation to be accommodating. We even excuse our accommodation. I'm thinking of an article now, a little parenthesis here, written by Noel Smith on gentlemen. We excuse our accommodation by trying to be more gentlemanly about things. And I certainly believe in being gracious and kind. But we need some raw bone, leather lung preaching that makes us think about eternity. I want you to know that when the thought of heaven and hell and Christ's death, burial, resurrection and certain judgment got hold of my life and gripped my life, it's the thing that began the journey for me of full surrender to the Lord for God to have His perfect way in my life. Some sort of passe Christianity where just a, just a little of this, a little of that and sort of a comforting kind of faith getting along with everybody would never have been what it took to get me to where I ought to be in my own personal life. And we know that people need to be confronted, if I may say, with just the bare bones. As the kids would say, to tell it just like it is. We know that. To talk about God for who He is, a consuming fire. A consuming fire. Not some man upstairs or some big buddy who's going to help us. But a God of heaven and earth who spoke the world into existence. A God before whom sinners cannot stand apart from being washed in the blood of the Lamb. And we need preaching, strong Bible preaching this way. The fear of God, and then we'll have comfort. But all this comfort is pretense without first the fear of God. Many people have found a way to find relief for a while in their religion. And they're going to go to hell, many of them. Relieved in their religion and not confronted with who God is and their sinfulness and the only way of salvation. The Bible says the people feared the Lord. They feared the Lord. And I say to you, if we're going to do what we ought to do and be what we ought to be, it shall never happen until the fear of God has returned to our lives. 
In Romans chapter 3, God gives this long list, this sinful list of indictment, sinful things against the human race. The Word of God says in verse 9, What then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. But we have before proved both Jews and Gentiles. They're all under sin. As is written, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that understandeth. There's none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace have they not known. And verse 18 says, There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's what God says. No fear of God. Men have the idea if they can reduce God down to some size that can be handled, that will all just be fine. But by reducing God in our thinking, all the other giants have popped up. And we live in a frightened, fearful world. People afraid of being blown up, terrorized. They're afraid of getting some disease. They're afraid to go into a public restroom. They're afraid they're going to get cancer somewhere or another, that some virus is in their body and is going to kick in at some time in life. They're afraid their kid's going to get injured. They're afraid something's going to happen with their job in poor economic times. I mean, there's so many fears, people are just overcome with it. What's the answer to all of this? When God is exalted as He should be exalted in our lives, when we truly fear God as we ought to fear God, then fearing God diminishes those lesser fears and brings life where it ought to be, knowing that our God, who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think, will do what He said He will do. It's a principle that guides all of our lives, and it removes from us these lesser fears as we fear God and God alone, knowing that God is going to take care of us. But I've noticed the people who just press on and stay everlastingly at it and walk on the sunny side and get things done are the people who walk consciously in the presence of God and they see God high, exalted, lifted up and they're not deterred or distracted all the time by all these little insignificant things. I truly want to live that kind of life. Do you want to live that kind of life? You get all worked up about something that's not worth getting worked up about. And if God had His rightful place in your life or my life, that would never have happened. The people feared the Lord. Let's bow in prayer, may we? There's nothing like the preaching of God's Word to bring comfort and conviction at the same time. I wonder, what will you do with what you've heard today? We would love to hear from you and pray with you. You may contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. 
That's enjoyingthejourney.org. I hope you'll be faithful to attend a Bible preaching church wherever you are this Lord's Day. And then join us as we continue our devotional study of the Word of God on enjoying the journey in the new week. May God bless you and thank you for listening.